We're starting a new series called Boomtown. And I've been getting, our, our, our pastoral team has been excited about this series because, number one, it's just fun to say Boomtown. You should try it sometime. Boomtown. And, and so Pastor Chris, Pastor Chris is our student pastor. If you know him, he's just full of life and energy. And so for the last month, he's been just walking around and randomly in the lobby and stuff like that, he'll just yell, boom down, because and, and, uh, he enjoys it. And, and I've been getting emails from him that just say boom down. And so... Uh, it, very excited about Boomtown, and it is exciting, and, and the whole idea of a Boomtown is, in fact, in itself exciting. That's what made it a Boomtown, is that there was excitement there. Something unique, something special was going on. When we talk about a Boomtown, what we mean is that it was a town experiencing exceptional growth due to sudden prosperity. Something happened, and everything just kind of went boom. A whole population grew up around a particular area, wherever it may have been, in the desert regions and in kind of arid regions around the world. You, you had boom towns around a spring that would be discovered or water source that would be discovered. And suddenly people would rush to that area and build houses and, and businesses and towns because that's where the water was. And unfortunately, in that area of the world, in, in, frankly, several parts of the world, uh, you find that a boom town will at times overwhelm the source and suddenly the water would run out. They would tap it too much and now the water would run out. It wasn't enough water to support that kind of a population. And then the water well would dry up or the spring would dry up and then suddenly people would leave there and, and abandon that town but only to find another place to go where water had been sourced. In remote areas... Sometimes boom towns would rise up around crossroads where two trading routes crossed over one another. Somebody would have the idea that, hey, if I stop here, I've got trade coming from this way and this way and that way and that way. And so, and so I'm going to stop right here and I'm going to build a trading post here. And suddenly people would spring up, person after person would stop and build a trading post there, their own store, their own uh, place of service and that would cater to those that were traveling through. And, and this was a boom town. And wherever those crossroads were found, you would often find towns springing up around them until trade routes would disappear and, or, or change over the years and, and then maybe that town would stabilize or become smaller but things would, would boom in that moment. Every region including the United States of America Throughout all known history, you see this phenomena of boom towns, and in our country, we saw it around the California gold rush or the silver mines in different parts of our nation where silver or gold, a precious metal would be found, and, and so people would rush there, and they would build these towns, and then there would be restaurants, and there would be hotels, and there would be people to cater to the miners, and those who were actually taking the physical resource out of the ground, they, they would build a whole town to serve that industry industry and they still do that today. You find it in the oil fields where up in Montana and Minnesota and different places like that where they've been uh, doing new, uh, new drilling over the last number of years that you've seen boom towns spring up around it and, and up in Canada I was reading about one of their boom towns that where they found a source of oil and, and they've been uh, producing there and so the, the town has just grown and grown and grown and they're trying to figure out how to put in enough resources 
and, and roads and water and sewer and all the other things that came along with it because there's a sudden growth because of the prosperity that can be found there. In every case of a boom town, you have a, something precious that's been discovered and people rush to get there. And today, we're talking about Boomtown, but it's not about a physical resource because what is true in the, in the uh, physical is also true in the spiritual. And we're talking about a spiritual resource and that resource is called the Holy Spirit. What we recognize about a boomtown is that uh, in each case, a place that seemed lifeless, hopeless, became filled with life because that resource was discovered. And in a short time, it went from lifeless to filled with life. And so it is in the realm of the spirit. Some of you might feel hopeless today or, or powerless today. You might feel like you are lifeless, like you're looking at the, the days in front of you and going, I just don't know how I'm going to work through that or how I'm going to deal with that. And, and maybe some of the news that you've received over the last little while hasn't been as exciting or uplifting as you would hope that it would be. I'm praying and I'm believing that the Holy Spirit is going to touch you and bless you throughout this series because we're talking about the book of Acts and following the story of the book of Acts as Jesus begins to empower the church to be the church after he has ascended to heaven. Because see, when he was on earth, things seemed great. You, you, you've got a guy who can walk on the water. That's pretty awesome. Then you've got a guy who can raise the dead, and that's even awesomer. And then you got a guy who they kill so you think it's done, but then he gets up out of the grave himself, and that's the awesomest. So how can you get better than this? At this point, the disciples and the followers of Jesus are thinking, we've got this thing. This is going to be good. What else can they do to him? They killed him, and he came back anyway. So this has got to be a success. But now they're standing on the hill in Bethany, and he says to them, go wait for the promise of, of the Father in Jerusalem. Go on. I don't know if he was from Louisiana or not, but if he was, he'd have said, go on. And then he ascended into heaven. Now he's gone. Everything they've done to this point has been tied to his physical being, but now his physical being is not there. So what are they going to do? How are they going to work? The number of his disciples specifically in that moment were, is not known. But we do know that 500 people saw him ascend to heaven. And then later on, we see that 120 people showed up in the upper room. That is a 24% success rate, which I learned after first service which is pretty good in baseball. Not so good in most other things. In fact, if you asked 30 people to show up for your birthday party and seven showed up, that'd be kind of disappointing. You'd feel like, could this really go anywhere? This movement that we thought we had going with this Jesus that rose from the dead, I mean, it really looked like this was the time for everything to ramp up. But now he's gone, and, and, and now 500 of us walked off that hill, and now I'm looking around and there's 120 of us. 
How long is this going to last? Is this really going to go anywhere? And some of you might be in a place where things have been going well in your life. Your career's been going good. Your relationships have been going good. Your marriage is strong. Your friendships are great. You're, you see a path forward and everything has, has pointed in a, the right direction, but suddenly something has shifted and you don't know exactly, sometimes you can't put your finger on what it is, but, but now the news doesn't seem quite as positive and the economic forecast doesn't seem quite as good and the, the tension in the home seems just a little bit bigger than it used to be and that friendship isn't really working like you thought it was going to and everything's not just rolling like you thought it was going to roll and so you start getting frustrated and, and aggravated and your economy of life and when I say that I'm, I'm talking about your mentality, your, your physicality, your emotions, your finances, every aspect of life, your spirituality, it just, it was going great but now it's just not going so good. And you wonder, can this really last? Maybe you're not quite in that category. You've, you've got things going well, and, 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 but, but you know there's a little bit more out there. There's, you, you see, you sense, if you will, that, that there's, there's more to life than what you're experiencing right now, but you just don't know how to tap into that. Well, I believe this series is for you. See, it was while waiting for what Jesus called the promise of the Father that the disciples became acquainted with this precious resource called the Holy Spirit. If you're a note taker today, I encourage you to take notes as an opportunity service guide, or you can download it offline, or you can write it on your neighbor's hand. Just take a picture of it after church. But Acts chapter 2, verse 1, starts off, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers, now that word believers is, is, is strong to me because it means those who heard and believed Jesus' words enough to act upon it, were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them and, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. This was a miraculous entrance, a miraculous occurrence. And we've talk, taught through this already this year, but we're coming at it from a different angle and we're gonna move forward in the book of Acts, but starting from this premise, this point. And what I, our big idea and what I really want to point out to us today in today's lesson is recognize the resource of the Holy Spirit in your life. For the first time, the disciples recognized the resource of the Holy Spirit in their life. It wasn't just connected specifically to the physical Jesus. Oh, Jesus had said, receive the Holy Spirit. He had sent them out to work in the power of the Holy Spirit. But it was all connected back to him. There are traditions of Christianity in our world today that really connect a lot to the physical being that is before them, whether it be a pastor or a priest or, or some teacher that they will say, well, that, that's the person that needs to go before me to God, or that's the person that I need to connect with if I really want an answer. And people coming from those some of those traditions sometimes will say to me, hey pastor, I need you to pray about this situation. 
And I'll say, okay, well, I will pray with you about it. And oftentimes they'll say, well, okay, but, but basically you pray. And I'm, why? Well, you know, you're a pastor, so you have a, a special connection with the Lord. I wish I did. I do have a special connection with the Lord, but it's no different than the special connection with the Lord that you have. I mean, I, that's just fact. There are no big eyes and little U's at the cross. We're all here together. We play different roles. And so I will say, I will pray with you. But you need to recognize the power of God within your own life. You'll go further. You'll go faster. You'll see more and experience more of what God has for you when you recognize the resource of the Holy Spirit in your life. When he was recognized in the lives of the believers, everything changed. They went from a few believers kind of hiding out to being a world-changing force. Literally, later on in Scripture, they're called these who have turned the world upside down. They were so revolutionary to that which was going on in the world at that time that they were transitioning everything. The government was responding to them, not them responding to the government. Things were pushed and, and moved and, and, and societies and cultures were shifting. Why? Because the power of the Holy Spirit was working in the lives of believers. It was an incredible moment. And experiencing the Holy Spirit resulted in a boom town spiritually. It did then and it does now. Now, it's easy to overlook the importance of the Holy Spirit and, and what that relationship looks like and, and how we experience the Holy Spirit because in our world, in our experience, the Holy Spirit has always been available to us. And it's very easy to take for granted the things that are always available. If you have grown kids, you know that whenever they were at your house, they opened the fridge, stood there for 35 minutes trying to decide what they wanted to eat, then they closed the fridge after cooling all of Sylvania and said, there's nothing to eat in this house. But when you visit them in their new home and you open the fridge for 33 seconds, they're like, hey, dad, close the fridge because you're, gonna, you're wasting energy. Oh, am I? Things shift. Perspective changes. And it results, it results in different action. So when something is, is uh, always in your life, it's easy to take it for granted. But as soon as it's not in your life or until you recognize the fact that it's in your life, it's in fact useless to you. So I have three thoughts for us today. And thought number one is this, the Holy Spirit is a person and a resource. Because I know as soon as I gave the big idea, there are some people in the room and online who said, the Holy Spirit is not a resource. The Holy Spirit is a person. Get your theology straight, Pastor Micah. And I'm saying, okay, get off your high horse. And listen to the rest of the sermon. He is a person and he is a resource. I was talking to a father the other day whose child has moved out of the house and has their own house now and was married and so on. And, 
And uh, the, the father was sharing with me how that day their child had called and said, hey, dad, can you help me with this thing? And he was so excited. He said, I, I love it when he calls because when he calls, it, it just shows that I still have relevance in his life, that I still matter in his life, that he still needs me in his life. And so he, he uses me as a resource. Now, now, calling your dad as a resource to help fix something does not diminish him as a person. It just recognizes a different level of value that he brings, a, a different level of knowledge and experience. It, he, he can add to your life in a different way. Now, as a person, he exists, and as a person, you love him, but it's when you engage with what he can bring to the table that suddenly your life is resourced from his life. A mentor might introduce a friend to somebody that they're mentoring, and they'll say, hey, you, you need to get to know this person. They could be a valuable resource in your area of work. They're not diminishing the person as a person. But they are recognizing the value that they can bring if what they know, what they've learned, what they've gained over the years can be brought to bear in your life. It can be a resource that will push you further faster than you could on your own. Well, the Holy Spirit was sent by the Father to be a resource for his children. John chapter 14, verse 26, this is Jesus talking, so you can't really argue with it. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is saying, in case you're confused about who I'm talking about, it's the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. So he's telling us right there that the Holy Spirit, as a person, will bring the resource that you need in your life. He will do exactly that. So he teaches and he empowers and he guides and he guards and he encourages and he gives gifts and he reminds us and he fills us. All of these things the Holy Spirit does. So I say it this way, the Holy Spirit is a person in relationship and a resource in engagement. When you engage him, his resource comes to bear in your life and how many people need the resources of the Holy Spirit at bear in their lives. I need that. So as God, he is a divine expression of God who cannot be separated from the Father and the Son. And so having a relationship with God is having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit engages with your life, through teaching or, or empowering or guiding, it's always done by invitation. I'll say it this way. You engage a resource. The resource doesn't impose themselves on you. I don't know what happened. I was just walking down the street one day and gold just leapt out of the ground and put itself in my pockets. It's astounding. The Beverly Hillbillies are the only people that stumbled into wealth. <laughs> I was just out there shooting and boom, there was oil. Now we're vastly wealthy and it's amazing. That's not typically how it happens. No, you have to go engage it in order for it to work for you. A father who shows up at their child's 
door after they've moved out of the house, good morning, I'm here, I'm going to fix everything for you. Next day, good morning, I'm here, I'm going to check all of your batteries. Next morning, good morning, I'm here, I'm going to check your oil and your tires. And eventually the kid's going to be like, dad, go away. That's not what a good father does. A good father is always there as a father in relationship, but as a resource waits to be asked to engage. So the Holy Spirit is waiting for you and I to engage him in our need and in our situation. And that brings us to the thought number two, that faith is engaging with what you do not understand. And everything in our walk with Christ is based on faith. In fact, the scripture teaches us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's not, we're not capable of it. So every aspect of our walk with Christ involves faith. But faith is often regulated to the spiritual realm. We say things like, okay, I have faith that when I die, God's going to take me to heaven. I, I have faith for that. I have faith that this, you know, that this thing over there is going to happen over there. But when it comes to my actual practical reality of life, that's not really within the realm of faith. That's in the realm of my control. But living for Christ promises, Scripture promises, that we live on a different level, a different plane. If it was all about what you could do, then none of us should be here right now. If it was all about what we can do, then we would all be sunk ducks. A duck that sinks is in a bad position for a duck. It's not a good place to be. So God said, no, I want you to go to a higher level. I want you to live at a higher level. I want you to see what the New Testament church did and, and how they made a difference in a world that did not accept them, did not want them there, rejected the entire premise of their religion and their relationship with this one called Jesus the Christ. They completely were against them, and yet they revolutionized the world to the point where the, the government was responding to the church not the church to the government. It's a pretty amazing thing when you really look at it for what it truly was. So faith is necessary, but the struggle is that it, we don't really understand everything involved. And, and I would write, say it this way, faith is fully engaging with something you cannot fully know and or understand. And in the spirit world, we recognize that, but we actually work in faith on very practical things all the time. Like, for instance, coming here today, you were driving at a relatively normal speed while there was a car coming at a relatively normal speed the opposite direction. The only thing separating you was a thin painted line. And you had faith that they would stay on the right side of theirs. And they equally had faith that you would stay on the right side of yours. And we operate in that faith so often that it's just become normal and natural. We don't think about it until we see on the news that somebody crossed the line and there was a head-on collision with a, a senator from a state. And, and suddenly we see uh, pictures of mangled vehicles and, and deaths and, and we go, oh, it's faith at work. It's just faith that we get accustomed to operating in. 
How about faith that your spouse is faithful? I, I, I have faith that Christy is faithful to me. And so I just act like she's faithful to me. When I'm not with her and I don't know where she's at and I can't physically see her, I, I just, I'm faithful to her because I have total faith that she's faithful to me. So when you have faith in something, you drive at the, the, the speed limit. You don't exceed it, but you drive the speed limit and you trust that they're doing the same on their side. When you have true faith, then you just act like she's faithful to me. When you can't prove it, you can't see it. In the spiritual realm, it's the same exact thing. But when many believers don't recognize the Holy Spirit in their life in any, any meaningful way because they don't understand him. But can I say it this way? Recognizing does not mean understanding. It does not mean that. It's like saying, I will not recognize that women exist until I completely understand them. <laughs> not going to do it. They don't exist. We won't engage. Until I completely understand women, I will not engage with women. Or men, for that matter. Then you will never engage with women. I've been married to one woman for 25 years, and I still don't understand everything about her. And according to her, I'm equally as complicated. I do not believe that, but she says that it is true. <laughs> So saying I'm not going to engage with the Holy Spirit, who is God, until I fully understand how he works, when he works, and all his methodologies. The problem is the only person you're hurting in that situation is you. The Holy Spirit is still going to be, the Holy Spirit is still going to work, and the Holy Spirit still has all the potential to change your life and the world in you and around you. But you yourself are saying, nope, I'm not going to accept that. I'm not going to work with that. I'm not going to even approach that because I do not understand that. And that leads us to thought number three, that resource must be recognized to be useful. The most powerful resource in the world is useless if it's not recognized. If it's just sitting there. And you never reach over to pick it up. You never reach out to engage. You, you never speak up to be heard and known. Remember, you engage the resource. The resource does not impose themselves on you. And all of God's interactions, all of God's interactions, I'm going to say it one more time, all of God's interactions with humanity after creation required humanity's engagement. I'll run through a few of them. Adam and Eve, first people on the planet. God says, keep, dress and keep the garden, so there's your job, and don't eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, so there's your rule. You've got a job and you've got a rule that you must engage in order to be in relationship with me. How about Noah? If God just wanted to save Noah and his family, God could have levitated Noah and his family off the earth, flooded the earth, waters receded, and he puts Noah and his family back there on dry ground. He could do that, 
Philip was translated in the New Testament. One day he's here, one moment he's here, the next moment he's here, and then he's back again. I mean, that's wild. Wish I could do that. But God didn't do that with Noah. He said, hey, you've got 100 plus years, go build an ark. That ark will lift you up above the waters, and that ark will sit you back down on dry ground, but you're going to build the ark. How about Abraham? Abraham, I've got a plan for the world, and you're, I, you're the man for the job. So, go. You, you, you mean Abraham could not have stayed in Haran and God used him? Of course he could have, but God said, nope, you've got skin in the game in order to be part of my plan, so go into a place where I will show you. How about Moses? Go tell Pharaoh. Hey, God, if you'll recall, I just left Egypt 40 years ago. Couldn't I have told Pharaoh when I knew Pharaoh, but now I don't know Pharaoh, and the Pharaoh that's there doesn't know me, and he doesn't care about me, and so that's bad. So, no, I want you to go. God, does Pharaoh actually have to know anything about what's going on? Why can't I just walk in there and Israel just walk out? God says, no, go talk to Pharaoh. How about Peter? Peter and Andrew, Jesus says, come follow me. How about uh, believers? Go wait for the promise of the Father. How about Paul? Paul, go into the city and wait on Ananias. Ananias, I know you're scared of Paul, but go over there and pray for him anyway, and I'm going to heal his eyes. But God, if you heal his eyes, he's going to see who I am, and he's been killing a bunch of people just like me. Is that really the best plan? Go on, Ananias. Trust me in the plan. All of them, every one of those situations required recognition from them of the power of God and the strength of God at work in their life. And if it required it of them, it requires it of us. We have to recognize the work of God in our life through the Holy Spirit. In fact, most of the time that God speaks or directs people, especially today, but even in the Old Testament, you see it's the Holy Spirit at work in their life. And every time people recognized and engaged the resource that God offered, their life, their family, their, their community, their world, it boomed. It expanded. It grew. It multiplied. In hard times, it was still good. In difficult times. It didn't mean that all the difficulty was gone, but they had the ability to move through the difficulty into the victory. So I just ask you, you don't have to raise your hand, you don't even have to breathe heavy, don't even shift, don't blink. But here's my question. Would you admit that you may be one who says, I'd like to experience everything the Holy Spirit has to offer, but I'm just a little bit afraid of what that could be. I want it, all of it, but I'm a little scared. Next week, we're going to talk about that a little bit. But this week, I'm asking you to ask the question. I'm, in fact, challenging you to ask the question, what could I be missing in my life if I do not engage, if I do not recognize the Holy Spirit and his work in my life? What, what, if, what, if, what could be that wouldn't be? Are you saved? I believe you're saved. But what could you be missing? Last year, early, I don't talk about this kind of stuff much. First time I've talked about it publicly. 
but I've had, had a phone call. Our elders know about this. Our administrative team, I think, knows about this. If not, surprise. <laughs> yeah. But I, was, uh, I, I got a call one day about a church, and the, the guy said, hey, listen, this church, good church, about 2,000 people. Uh, they just built a 1,500-seat uh, sanctuary and a 1,500-seat auditorium with the subsequent building space and, and so on and so forth. And it's in a, a good area, growing area in the south. And, and uh, we're, we're just interested. We've seen what God's done with you, and we're just interested. Would you be interested in checking out this church and see if there's a, a transition for you in your ministry there? And I honestly thought about it for 30 seconds. We were just about to, you know, we hadn't broken ground here. We hadn't moved forward on this project yet. And, and I thought, well, that's a, bit, that's a big project. And, and once we break ground, there's no thinking about anything. We're here and we're going. And, and, uh, but as I, as I was thinking about it for like, this is all, this is milliseconds. To this guy, I just answered right away. But in my head, I was pondering. And, and the thing that just kept hitting me is I could say yes to this. And it just, I mean, it's easy to say, it's just checking it out. But if I say yes to going to check it out, that's, a, that's an open door. And I don't even know if I want the door open. But what I kept feeling in my heart and, and sensing is, okay, that's cool that that's happening there, but, but what would I be missing here? Because see, I really believe that God's doing something special at Five Lakes Church. And I really believe that there's something unique and beautiful about the Toledo metro area and what God's doing here in Sylvania. And I, I really do believe that this is an incredible group of people that is just a little unusual and not in a weird way, but a good way. I, I, I really do believe that. And, and, and I just kept thinking, but what would we be missing? What would we be missing? And so obviously we said no and we prayed with them and we helped them find their next pastor and, and God brought them a good pastor and so things are going well and praise God for that. But, but I'm asking you, on a, on a very minor scale, that's what that was. But what God can do in your life if you just reach out and, and, and let him, if you just say, Holy Spirit, I want you to invade my life on a whole new level, on a, on a much stronger plane. I wanna, I wanna see your work. I invite you into my life in a whole different way. What could be? And some people are living like the believers after Jesus and before Pentecost. Your confidence was high when there was 500 on the mountain, on the hill, and Jesus was standing there and he said, go wait for the promise, but then he took off. And you started making your way to Jerusalem and, and you're moving, you're marching and you realize that suddenly Bob's gone and Jill's gone and Jim's gone and, and Jackie's gone and, 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 and finally you get there and it's 24% of the original group. Your confidence was at a 500 and that was great. But now it's at a 24, not as great. And you're going, ah, I don't know. It causes you to withdraw into your cave of negativity and complaining, which is really a response to fear and doubt. So that's wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, and that's wrong, and, and one more economic forecast, negative, and one more this, negative, and that situation, negative, and, and, I, and they've got a problem, they've got a problem, they've got a problem, and all y'all got jacked up somewhere. And really, it's us trying to work out fears and anxieties. 
In other words, we revert to a carnal worldview versus a kingdom worldview. Those who recognize the Holy Spirit and intentionally engage with everything that he offers are intentionally developing a kingdom worldview. And this is the last thing that will be on the screen. Recognizing and engaging the Holy Spirit does not mean ignoring the realities around us. But it does mean recognizing the one within us. And I fully believe that the Holy Spirit is doing something special and supernatural within Five Lakes Church. And if that's true with us as a corporate body, it must be true of us as individuals. He cannot do in all of us what he does not do within each of us. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me right now and just ask, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me in this service? I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come forward right now. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about this boomtown moment when God moves in and and things begin to shift and change. And what can that look like and what can that feel like and, and, and how can you experience it so you can live on a higher level? Being a believer in Jesus Christ does not mean living like everybody else. It means living in a supernatural level. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we, we thank you for your presence and for your power. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being here right now. We thank you for walking with us and, and working with us and, and living within us. And today, we just intentionally reach out for you and we recognize you. Yes, as God, but also as the resource that when we call upon you, you respond. You provide strength and power and grace and and peace and comfort and teaching and remembrance and gifts and all of the beautiful things that you offer. Father, we want that in our lives, all of it. So we recognize you, Holy Spirit, today. And we ask you work in our life and work through our lives in the awesome name of Jesus. And if that is your prayer today, on site and online, would you just say, amen. Amen.